Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Anne Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, Lewis is on solo hosting duty and speaking with Matt Markowitz, managing director of the Cannabis ETF, the first passively managed to pure play ETF solution for investing in cannabis. Launched by Matt earlier this year, the Cannabis ETF, listed on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol THCX, focuses only on companies in the legal marijuana, CBD, and hemp industries. With earnings season wrapping up, we wanted to sit down with Matt to get his take on all things capital markets, including his reactions to post-earnings on major players like Tilray, Acreage Holdings, and Canopy Growth, his process for analyzing cannabis stocks, and whether he thinks investors should fear a cannabis bubble. So don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our conversation with Lewis and Matt. Um, I'm talking with Matt Markevich, CEO of Innovation Shares, the first managing e- director. Oh, managing director. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, I'm also well. I'm a managing partner here, so there's no CEO at KCSA. Um, but the first uh, ETF, cannabis traded ETF. Um, Matt, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me, Lewis. Uh, well, and full disclosure, Matt is a client um, and a friend, so somebody who I've been looking forward to having this conversation with for a while now. Likewise, yeah. Um, so we're recording this on um, August 15th, and the Dow has been up and down all day today. In the last couple of weeks, it has just been an absolute shit show in the general market. And for the last three months or so, the, the cannabis stock market, they, they've just been getting just slaughtered both the Canadian plays, the U S plays what's going on. We have a couple factors in my opinion that are at play here. One is, um, we had a situation up in Canada with one of the licensed producers that was found to be growing cannabis non-compliantly. Can't trust. I'll say it. You don't have to. Okay. That's fine. Um, and, uh, that obviously from a trust perspective is very damaging for the sector mm-hmm. because this is a company that's now duly listed in Canada and the U.S. And um, in order for institutional investors especially to be getting involved in this space, they need to feel that they have a level of comfort that companies are operating compliantly and complicitly with the laws in that jurisdiction. That obviously did not happen. Right. Danny Moses talks about and you know how he invests by looking at corporate governance that that's the first thing and this is clearly the biggest violation of corporate governance that you you can have and it's early on in the sector's uh, life cycle here if you will and mm-hmm. so to have this sort of thing happen from you know I consider one of the, it's obviously one was one of the larger LPs this early on especially after they get uh, dual listed is is again damaging to confidence for investors and and you think that has percolated out through the rest of the sector, or was that a, or do well, you think investors are looking at this as a one-off? No, uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree that this incident hopefully is a one-off. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be others, just like there, you know, there have been bad actors in every movie. It doesn't matter the sector, um, you know, that we've seen this in telecom, media, everything over the years. So 
it's not a surprise that it's happening and cannabis is a heavily regulated industry, especially up in Canada. Um, so again, mm-hmm. I would expect more, but that's again, the whole reason why you invest in a diversified basket of securities for the industry. Nice little plug for your, for your, uh, ETF. So why don't you tell us what, what is your ETF? How do you pick the stocks that go in it? How does it managed? Sure. So, uh, the cannabis ETF is the name of the fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, THCX is the ticker. It trades on the New York Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, launched in July 9th. And in part, the stocks are selected because there are some rules in the United States that allow what you can hold in an exchange traded fund structure. Um, part of that is a stock should have a hundred min- hundred million minimum market cap. Okay. So that's the starting point right there, which a lot, a lot of, of companies don't make. A lot of companies do not make that, correct. Uh, we also have some liquidity liquidity requirements because our goal is to build a diversified liquid basket of stocks in the cannabis industry. So that you can get in and out of them easily? Well, for us, it's more actually for the, uh, the investor so that the liquidity in the underlying stocks will be re- representative of the liquidity in the ETF itself. So if you have a bunch mm-hmm. of illiquid stocks in the Actually, in the fund, in the portfolio, you're going to have a very, you know, potentially illiquid ETF. In addition, the trading spreads are going to be very wide, and and a lot of investors like to see narrow, tight spreads. Right. And if the spreads are wide on the underlying stocks, it's going to be represented in the. Explain ETF. what a spread is for people who don't understand it. Sure. So when you're buying uh, or selling a stock, there's what's called a quote. And there's a. I'm buying THCX, and the quote is, is twenty bucks. Is twenty three dollars and five cents okay. at the bid, so that's where you can sell it. Right. And twenty three ten at the ask. So there's a five cent delta between. That's, the yeah, two. that's called the trading spread. Right. And you are buying it at the ask, and you are selling it at the bid. Right. Okay. So that five cents. You would think of it in terms of basis points. So five cents over twenty three ten is roughly twenty two basis points. I say twenty two because that has been our spread trading spread since we launched the fund. And the tighter the spread, the easier it is to get in and out of a stock. And the bigger the spread, the the more likely it is that 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 your your offer to buy or your offer to sell languishes for a while. No, you you have to think about it. It's easier for investors. Um, and sorry, it's easier. It's easier, but it's also less costly. Mm-hmm. The wider the spread, the more it costs investors to okay. trade the stock, because that gap is wider. So, I don't want to use the used car market as a great proxy, but when you buy a car for twenty six thousand dollars and you sell it two years later, you're not going to get twenty six thousand dollars <laughs> for it, right? You're you may get thirteen. Yeah. So that's that's a large spread right. between where you buy or where you're buying it and where you're selling it. Okay. If that that's why certain cars, models like Subarus, Toyotas, right? They have a higher resale value, and they're almost higher in demand because people feel comfortable if they want to sell that car, they're going to get out mm-hmm. at closer a more reason, to what they what they paid for it. Right. Yeah, um, does that make sense? It to, does. Yeah. Okay. How many stocks are in the, the the ETF now? So currently, there are thirty six stocks mm-hmm. in THCX. And and who are the bigger names that people would recognize? Well, that bears a quick conversation about how we weight the portfolio. And How do you weight the portfolio, Matt? <laughs> it's what we call in the industry uh, a modified market cap methodology. Okay. And the fund tracks um, something called an index, and an index is just a collection of stocks that meet certain requirements. So think about the index as a portfolio, but you actually mm-hmm. can't invest in an index as an investor. You have to invest in a fund right. that tracks that, that index. Tracks index. So that 
index is called the Innovation Labs Cannabis Index. Rebalances every month. Okay. And I can go into that in a little bit uh, about why it's every month versus every quarter usually for mm-hmm. a typical ETF. Um, but uh, that index, as I said, contains 36 stocks, and therefore the portfolio of the ETF contains 36 stocks. Okay, and and um... and sorry, uh, and it's weighted uh, um, again mo- modified market cap. And the rule is, at a rebalance, the stock can equal no more than eight percent. Of the portfolio, so any one stock can. So, so you have if if canopy growth is in it, and they're trading at fifty bucks, and it goes up, for example, to eighty bucks, you're gonna have to sell out of it some of that to keep it at the eight percent. You got it every month. So it's a way to actually it accomplishes two things: having that monthly rebalance, it smooths out the volatility in the sector, right. which everyone who's listening to this podcast, especially, knows that the public cannabis market is quite volatile yep uh, so that's one because you're selling as you said the winners you're t- harvesting the gains and you're kind of buying the losers and that strategy should over the course of time show lower volatility are the gains then distributed out on a month on a monthly basis or where do those gains go no so actually uh, it gets a little bit I don't want to go down the rabbit hole on how an ETF is structured okay but one of the reasons ETFs have grown in popularity over the past 15 years is that they are a more tax-efficient structure than other investment vehicles, or, or can be, I should say. And the gains that are harvested in mm-hmm. the portfolio are allowed to be offset against the losses in a certain manner, um, and it's almost uh, on, a, on a portfolio basis you kind of shut as you shuffle the deck. It doesn't matter what card in the deck was worth more than the other. They're almost all looked as the same, mm-hmm. and because of that, you you see a much lower payout of capital gains historically mm-hmm. in ETFs than say mutual funds, and also lower cost of of um, maintenance. Right? Yes, correct. If you're uh, a, a, a traditional mutual fund that's actively managed by a, a human, for argument's sake, you may be paying one to one and a half percent of of your um, your, po- your your total investment into it. And ETFs tend to be much lower. Cost. Yeah. So the management fee on THCX is seventy basis points. Because which is right now. which is seven tenths of one percent. Correct. Um, how's it been doing so far? Because it's only been trading for about a month. Yeah. Uh, well, the cannabis market, as you alluded to earlier, has been on a little bit of a slide. <laughs> a and, little bit of a slide. Yeah. And so we can't, you know, we're not making active bets in the portfolio as it's just tracking the index. Right. right? Uh, so as of today, down about 12, around 12%, maybe a little bit more. I mean, I haven't looked in. It's time to double down. Well, actually, I, I mean, do you think that? Do you think that the, that the, the, the sector itself is going to rebound? Over the longer term, that is the thesis, yes. I mean, again, we're very early stages of this generational investment opportunity. And there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be volatility like you've not witnessed in other industries or sectors before. Because of that, um, you just have to hold on and find you know, your, your, your entry points. So there could be, I would say it's possible for investors to, break, to brace for further weakness, especially in the next couple of weeks. Uh, of the summer here, as trading is slow, um, volumes are, tend to be lower, which means mm-hmm. volatility tends to be higher, and you, you see this often in the summer. So, to me, the the, the, the bit more true litmus test will be mid-September, 
when things get back to normal trading activity and you don't have these light volumes and you know it's it, that, that'll be better but I, I would say I would brace some, for some more volatility in, in the in the cannabis market in the next couple of weeks so just remind everybody I'm talking with Matt Markevich from uh, innovation shares the first um, first passively managed first passively managed pure play cannabis ETF that's a mouthful it's a mouthful um, how hard was it to get onto the New York Stock Exchange? Because historically, the stock, you know, they've only taken so far Canadian companies. They're not allowing U.S. companies. And, you know, while you are not, you're nowhere near to being a plant touching company, I mean, you're still a cannabis play of some sort. So, how, how was the process of getting listed? I'll start by saying it was a very stringent review process by the SEC. Mm hmm of our initial prospectus, which we filed at the end of November 2018. Okay. And uh, we... And like nine months later, is that... Yeah, I mean, that's eight months later, so take away the 30-day government holiday. I was told there would be no math, by the way. Oh, sorry. <laughs> is that always the case on the Green Rush podcast? No, it's just the case with me, oh. with Lewis. Um, well, how about this? I won't ask you to do any subtraction or addition or multiplication, but normally... The ETF launch process takes anywhere between 75 and 90 days. Right. It took us almost triple that because of the extra scrutiny from regulators. And uh, part of that was satisfying New York Stock Exchange requirements to be able to list an exchange-traded product on their marketplace. Right. On, on their exchange. On their exchange. Right. So um, I want to be traded. I want our ETF to be traded on the biggest, most notable equity trading exchange in the world. So, you know, it's from not only, it's not a branding thing, but necessarily like investors feel good about investing in something that's NYSE traded, right? Uh, stocks mm -hmm. included and as well as ETFs. So, um, it was sort of a no-brainer to for us to try to get on the NYSE, but again, we had to be compliant with with their rules. And right. part of that was um, satisfying that uh, the requirement that a stock or a company, in order to be included in the index, would not be breaking any laws where in the in the jurisdiction where they operate. So that precludes a lot of almost it precludes every MSO, right? Hundred percent correct. We are not allowed to own any of the MSOs, uh, the stock of the MSOs in the portfolio. There's. That must be frustrating because, you know, you look at companies like Curly for Acreage or, you know, Terratech, you know, there are, there are dozens of- Green now. growth brands yeah. and differentiated play, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, we can we can list all of them. Yep. And, and are there moments where you're like, God damn it, I really wish X was in the portfolio. Absolutely. And the original index that we had built included some of those companies- mm -hmm. Um, until we started going through this review process that I mentioned, and you know the the, the had to comply with the rules. So yeah, it's just, either it's either do this or don't trade. Exactly, and 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 there are other cannabis ETFs which I'm sure we'll get into. They all had to comply with that as well. So so yep. it's not like we're being we were being singled out. None of the five cannabis ETFs can own the equities of companies that touch the marijuana plant in the United States. So much so mm. we actually had to get a legal a separate legal opinion. Um, it came from our trust council that said we would only own stocks on five exchanges, one of five exchanges. 
the Australian Exchange, right. the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, the Toronto Stock Exchange, and the TSX Venture. So we clearly don't have the CSE on there. There are no CSE stocks in our portfolio or, or any. NEOs. Or NEOs. No, sir. Um, or there are no OTC traded stocks either. Right. Right. Don't, don't forget about that. <laughs> How could I forget about the OTC? <laughs> uh, when you're not an actively managed fund, right? Which means you personally are not sitting and picking winners and losers. It is it is a passive fund. That means that it mirrors this index, and the index is done algorithmically. Is that correct? Um, we have an AI element to um, how the index is built, mm -hmm. and uh, this AI element includes a process whereby we have a, a, actually a patent pending on this uh, process of building a, an index using media sentiment. And our algorithm actually reads tens of thousands of news stories, hmm. and it's able to discern what the sentiment is around a particular stock given a certain theme. And, and what are the themes? The theme is cannabis. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought so, you meant like winners, losers. No, no. Well, so so right. we can we so thematic investing involves um, finding a bunch of companies. Would we consider ourselves a thematic uh, right. ETF company? F finding a, a group of companies that have a common relationship to a long-term structural growth trend. Okay. And they may be in completely different industries, and they may be in completely different areas of the world. Those companies that you're trying to identify are all hoping to show an increase in value because they have some relationship to this theme. So, of course, firms like Aurora Cannabis, um, Tilray, Truly, for Kronos. instance, right? Yeah, these these are these are cannabis stocks, but there are other companies that are benefiting from the growth of the cannabis industry globally that you wouldn't necessarily associate with, you know, a cannabis stock. A company like Scott's miracle Grow. It's one of the more obvious ones, of right. course. But then there are stocks such as Perk and Elmer. I'm not familiar with them. Yeah. They do uh, lab testing okay. and analysis for cannabinoids for a variety of companies, but they have the very expensive and extremely sophisticated equipment that's used to say, you know, determine that this Jack Herrera strain is 22% THC. That just doesn't come out of there. Well, you just happen to pick my favorite strain. It's Jack Herrera's. Um, it seems like it's everyone's favorite strain these days. It, it's a good strain. I, I sort of pictured you as more of like a, like, Girl Scout cookie or uh, no? After I smoke Jack Herrera, I want to go eat okay. the Girl Scout cookies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so, what is your backstory? Like, what's you? You know, like how did you, how did you get to design an ETF and specifically to the cannabis market? You know, you, that that is a theme that you know not a lot of people who would would think that this is where I want to be going. I've been on Wall Street in some form or another for 22 years, mm -hmm. so not a typical cannabis background, one might say. Various sales, trading, research roles. Mm -hmm. um, I was most recently at a small asset manager called BlackRock. <laughs> That's a tiny little guy. Tiny I've never heard guy. of him. No. And they uh, own an, a, an exchange-traded fund division named iShares, also fairly small. And uh, so I was there for. Uh, By the way, that's that is the definition of sarcasm. If you didn't know that, and that was you know, 
Just saying. Understood. I, I should probably. No, take no, no. A sarcasm plays great. I love sarcasm. I speak fluent sarcasm. You ooze sarcasm. Uh, amongst other things. Okay. So uh, I was at iShares, uh, the world's largest provider of ETFs, for almost seven years. Um, and that's where I cut my teeth on on ETFs and wanted to do something a little more entrepreneurial in uh, in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, formed uh, this company, Innovation Shares, with some partners uh, who have an investing background, an investment management background as well. In uh, the fall of 2017, um, we actually had have two ETFs that we launched prior to launching THCX. One is a thematic blockchain ETF. Okay. And another, the other was a. a ETF that invests in the electric and autonomous vehicle ecosystem. Cool. Uh, both also trade on, uh, on the NYSE. Which, by the way, there is a theme to all three. Because you smoke a joint, you get in an autonomous vehicle, and I don't know how to play blockchain, but you don't want to be driving high. So, uh, um, I, Well, blockchain actually runs the software that there you go. encrypts the directions while you're in your autonomous vehicle so no one's hacking instead of like you know you know i'm thinking vegas there are autonomous vehicles in vegas so like sort of getting you know. so you're going to go to planet 13 you're going to pick up your tyson ranch yep. joint yep you're going to get into your autonomous vehicle and it's going to take you back to your hotel yeah you're going to the gonna, mgm yes right and because you're going to watch uh some i don't know ufc yes 735 and, and joe rogan's going to be there high as a kite yeah but you got there safely and you didn't have to ride with anyone because you are in an autonomous vehicle. And we've invested in all three sectors and made money. All, all three themes, the same, right, yes. right, right, right at the same time. It's a beautiful thing. So, uh, so we launched those two uh, ETFs uh, early 2018, um, and as we're always looking for what I would call a cutting edge theme, uh, we saw the the rise in IPOs, right. capital markets issuances. Uh, the media talking about cannabis more, but there weren't many ways to invest in the sector. Or in the, a basket. The space. You could invest yeah, in from, individual stocks, names. Yeah, but from yeah. a diversified exposure perspective, investors were looking for something liquid, tax efficient, and diverse. Right. That's what we set out to build. Rewinding a little bit, in the uh, summer of 2017, my mom fell, broke her collarbone, and um, that's a shit. Everything's all healed up now. And uh, as part of her therapy, the doctor suggested to her about using some cannabis in lotion and cream in, 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 you know, topical. Right. And I really didn't, other, so, than, other than having the obvious association with, with, you know, from a recreational aspect for years, I didn't know that cannabis can be put into some gel or cream that you rub on a certain part of your body to treat the pain right so that was my foray into uh you know your first foray yes of course uh into into you know oh there are other applications for ca- for cannabis and then we started kind of doing the research and realized wow there's a huge universe of companies out there that are applying cannabis um or have exposure to the industry in various ways something that i like to describe as the sub themes within the greater cannabis ecosystem mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say we're still early in this industry. It's first inning, second inning. Um, but there are now hundreds of public cannabis companies. And, and it feels a lot, from the from the public market's perspective, a lot like 2000 all over again. 
how do you know which of these companies are going to be Amazon? For the younger listeners on the podcast, yeah. maybe we should explain. So 2000 was the, the internet bubble. Um, most of the listeners here are my age, around 50. But but for the people who are younger, um, to 1998, 99, 2000, there was this huge bubble around technology stocks and you know that bubble burst and there was this you know <laughs> there was this joke that went around that all of the venture capital money that went into these technology stocks got passed to companies like KCSA public relations firms or advertising firms it was a massive wealth transfer from venture capitalists to PR people um but you're still here. I am still here because hmm. PR so that, is a, it that, worked. Okay, <laughs> it worked. It worked. Um, but but cannabis seems to, in some ways, it feels completely different because this is a conversion play. You know, it is a seventy-five to one hundred billion dollar current market that is mostly illicit that's being converted to a regulated legal market um, versus a creation play, which was what technology was. But there are going to be a lot of these companies, uh, even amongst the, the ones that are in your basket, that are some of them are going to be pets.com, which are going to be massive flameouts, and you know a, a handful of them are going to be Amazon or Google. How are you looking at these companies? How are you figuring out like forget about the the index? Just as somebody who understands Wall Street, mm -hmm. how are you How do you analyze these companies? How do you pick winners and losers for yourself? Well. Part of that, that you know, the, uh, the process is, as I mentioned, using this patent pending methodology we have, which is able to again read through tens of thousands of media stories to pick mm -hmm. up sentiment. And how, how do most people do research? But, on but, stocks? but media tends to be a trailing indicator. Not not from the work that that we've done. Sentiment is actually sort of a, one of the legs of the value investing stool, believe it or not. And what you're looking at when you, when people do research, mm -hmm. you have research reports generally, right? Right. On, on, on specific equities. Yeah, like Vivian Azer at Cowan will talk to the management teams of all of the major cannabis companies. She'll do independent store checks. She'll do her research. And yes. then she'll, she'll come out with a buy, sell, or hold call on a certain number of names. So great, um, I, I guess, there's one Vivian, but there are 20 Vivians covering Cisco. Mm -hmm. So there aren't many Vivian's out there right. in the United States. I guess that's what I'm sort of trying Two to say. Two or so, three right now. So it's an undercovered, yeah, I mean, outside of Vivian, um, you know, Chris Carey at Merrill Lynch, I believe, or be it whatever you want to call it, Bank of America, does a great job um, covering this space. But there just aren't many people right. that are giving, you know, this podium to, to cannabis companies from a research perspective. So that makes it harder for the average investor, even the institutional investor, to be honest with you, to be able to sift through all those whatever, let's call it 150 enough cannabis companies mm -hmm. to figure out what stocks am I going to buy here, right? So that's why using this tool that we have, we're able to, to kind of, again, discern the sentiment. So, but a lot of what I'm saying is a lot of these uh, investors will do their homework by reading right. media stories and they will form that opinion on whether to, to buy that stock or sell it by what they read. Right. So we're almost being ahead of the curve by so are you buying individual names or are you just playing the, the, the ETF? Personally? Yeah, personally. I do buy individual names. Not anything we're prohibited from buying names in our ETF, but mm -hmm. I do own and trade the MSOs because I can't own them in the ETF. So. Okay, so when you look at – so there's been this massive – 
shakeout in the MSOs, right? You saw in 17 and early 18, this huge rush to RTO to go through a, a reverse takeover back into a, a public company on the Canadian Securities Exchange and then raise a ton of money. And you've seen, you know, you saw valuations a billion, two billion, four billion dollars at their peaks, and now there's massive sell-off. Right, you're seeing these guys down 50, 70 percent from where they where they started trading. How are you making your own buy sell hold decisions on, on these MSOs um, beyond what you're seeing in the index? Because I know we you know we're we're here to talk about that, but yeah, you're also somebody who knows how to look at the market in a way that the average investor doesn't. So how are you analyzing these these companies? Well, I, truth be told, I do take a similar approach to the ETF in that I'm I have a diversified basket of I think about eleven plant touching okay. U.S. stocks right now. And I'm not as actively trading it necessarily, because I believe that this is going to be a longer term play. Right. But like down here, there are certain names that I feel personally are attractive. Do you want to name some names? Uh, you can say no. It's. I mean, I'm not. I can't yeah. own them in the portfolio, but. Okay. Green Thumb, Truly, if, I mean, these are names that I've owned for a while. Okay. And when they sell off, I'd like. To, this is again my personal account. Full disclosure, it has nothing to do with. No, I understand that. Yeah. Um, this year, we've seen some uh, some some. It, there was an acceleration of M and A activity, and then it seems to have stopped, um, and that that correlates the stop with the fall off in the the share price because these these bigger companies have used their public equities as currency. They follow the playbook. That's they, how, as yes. far as I as far as I see it. They follow the playbook. Take advantage of the of. Current market conditions, mm -hmm. raise money at at high er valuations, yeah. go spend the money. Hopefully wisely. Only time will tell. And uh, you know that's the that's part of the market's view. Are these companies spending the money wisely? So w with with these stocks down so much, um, and with you know the the you said you know right now your ETF is down twelve percent. Would you say are, are we? Nobody can call a top and nobody can call a bottom. But are, are you seeing the both the, the Canadian LPs and the ancillary service providers um, and even the MSOs as a buy now, or are you looking to short? The, the, the entire cannabis sector, let's call it North America cannabis sector, right. is starting to, based on how things have fallen so quickly, so fast, mm -hmm. so hard, it's looking like there's some value in what's out there again not picking single names because in my opinion that's not the best way to build a, a you know exposure to a certain uh, industry, industry right. theme whatever it is um especially again given the fact that research and information a lot of these companies is, is very scant so yes i believe it things have been overdone a little bit here i mean earnings have been for the lps not amazing um not really good but they also I'm That's more an focused. understatement. I mean, like Canopy came out yesterday and said that they were they were net down quarter over quarter. You know, it's not like these guys. The problem is the in my take on this is that a lot of these companies were stitched together from a diverse portfolio of licenses, whether they be licenses in Canada or licenses in the United States. And you've got great financial operators who really understand how to build a financial company but they're not phenomenal 
operators, right? They don't necessarily know how to make a great retail experience or grow biomass at scale or, you know, make a great fucking chocolate. Yep. You know? So, actually, I just thought of this. It's almost like a shirt. So, you had a sleeve come together, sleeve come together, mm-hmm. a collar. What's this? Your, pl- your, I know, your placket chest. or whatever it is, yeah. right? So, the companies now are figuring out, how do I get the buttons? How do I, how do I actually get this to, bu- like, a dress shirt that you right. and I are wearing right now? How do I button this up? Mm-hmm. And that's what the industry is going through. How do I, how, how do we button up our business model so that when. Oh, very nice. How do we button it up? Yeah. How, do, how does our, so how do the investors look at us to say, this is a business that I want to invest in outside of, as you mentioned, all these operators, I'm not going to say, uh, not ragtag, but everything was kind of put together from licenses, different brands. And it's, how do we present it in this really nice package to investors who are not traditionally investing in the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the opportunities as I see it. You have a lot of institutional investors that aren't involved. They may be looking, but they're not involved, meaning they don't own stocks in the cannabis space, but they're looking, but they need to see that that shirt looks like a shirt and that shirt has working buttons. Right. So this evolution, I almost view every quarterly report as, as a button, you're starting from the bottom of your mm-hmm. shirt, right? So we're- You button from the bottom up and not the top down? Yes. Really? Yeah. I'm a top down guy. No, bottom up always. Okay. You know, I, I don't know how to react to that. Because sometimes I leave the second button open and I want to see how my shirt's looking when that second button is- I, I got it. I, yeah, and it's looking good. Thank you. You got a little hair poking out, but that's okay. Yeah. At least I, I, I yes, yes. <laughs> um, so one of the things you said earlier was, you know, when you were at BlackRock, you had this entrepreneurial bug that bit yep. you. You know, entrepreneurs are a unique breed. We all are. Um, and and I, in my experience with talking with, you know, hundreds of entrepreneurs in my career, the, the number one thing that defines a successful entrepreneur is actually failure. You don't necessarily learn from success, but the best entrepreneurs are the ones who learn from the mistakes that they've made. What's the biggest mistake that you made in the process of getting any of your ETFs created and launched, and how? And, and what did you take away from that? There's a lot of out of your control when you launch an ETF, and it's learning to, I guess, play the hand you've been dealt, and still try to have that have a winning hand regardless of you know what what else what other cards other people are holding and you know so let's take i mean I'll, let's just use this most recent example we were the f- the first cannabis etf to, recently that sort of filed of the four that just got launched um most recent anyway and 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 we got beat to market by a competitor okay and it was it's a it's managed in a different way than it's a it's an actively managed strategy, but since we've launched uh, probably two months after them, as I mentioned, our spreads have been tighter. So, getting back to like what you can control, I'm a capital markets expert by trade. Mm-hmm. So I've been working very diligently with people in the capital markets ecosystem around ETFs right. about telling our story, making them understand why THCX is built the way it is. So that's helped, in my opinion, to translate into tighter spreads, meaning more people want to trade Mm -hmm. our ETF. Um, 
since we've been launched, we have taken in more money than any of the other four cannabis ETFs. Wow. Our AUM has, thank you. Our AUM has grown the fastest. So even though we didn't make it out as quickly as I, we had hoped or we had expected, I'm trying to do things in, in my power, like being on this podcast, of course, to, to tell the story. You can't really control what's going on out there in the cannabis market, but we can help spread the word to investors. Here's why you should be investing in cannabis. Here's how you should do it responsibly. This is a great gateway investment, if you will, mm -hmm. if you've never done it before, right? It's not a gateway drug. No. It's a gateway, gateway investment. investment. So. Do, you think, do you think my compliance company would let me use that slogan? Actually, I kind of love that. I'll have to talk to my PR firm. I gave you another one. <laughs> I gave you um, I gave you a serious green. Yeah, that was a great one. That was a good one. Still um, in the running. I, I'm a big fan, but you know, you can actually pair the two. You know, it's a gateway investment to serious green. They may not be happy with that, but I'll try running it through. Um so anyway, so it, yeah. it, 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 it was really like, this is what we've been giving. We didn't get out on, our, on, on, on as quickly as we thought. But, um, you know, again, it's, it, we're trying to tell the message to investors. And then to me, that's, you know, what I feel. Things have been, we, we're very happy with the trajectory of um, the fund's growth so far. I'm not happy with the, the industry and how the stocks have traded, but I can't do anything to control that. Yeah, and, and we, uh, so I, I've, I, we've got time for like two more questions, and then really, I just I'm wanna, really disappointed. Well, no, I, I but we're gonna to have spend, maybe I'll no, have to spend more time. Well, no, we're gonna come back. You'll come back. Okay. I mean, you'll definitely come back. There's no doubt. This is the, because you know the the audience wants to know more about the market. You know, the, historically, the the guys like Tim Seymour who have been on here and Danny Moses who are stock you know people who really understand the inner workings of the stock market. The audience reacts to, and they are. I know they're gonna react to this. Um, so the last of my, the first of my last two questions for you is, you know, historically, um, the ETF world, you know, there's a number. You have to get to about $50 million of assets under management to either break even, to hit break even and start to, to make money for the fund managers. Mm -hmm. How close are you to $50 million and, and how are you going to get there? So as of, I guess, this morning, um, we were about 16 point. Seven million assets okay. under management, and you know, that's a function of two things: it's the value of the portfolio, right, mm -hmm. and the number of shares outstanding, right, in the ETF. And we have seven hundred fifty thousand shares outstanding as of today in the ETF. That's what, as a manager, you hope to grow. The number of shares outstanding. The, the number of shares outstanding, right? That's what I guess you could say. I can control. I can't control the value of the stocks in the portfolio, but. By doing marketing and and telling the story to investors, mm -hmm. presenting the investment case, I hope to grow the shares outstanding because, unlike a stock, ETFs have an potentially unlimited number of shares outstanding because you create more through the creation redemption process. So okay. our, our liquidity providers, market makers, broker dealers create more shares. Right. That's why it's different than even though it trades like a stock on exchange, it's an open-ended investment vehicle. So. Um, as I said, we have 750,000 shares outstanding. And as you mentioned, it's very important to get to that 50 million to get on a lot of brokerage platforms. Okay. So you're not always onboarded or being allowed, you're not always not allowed as an ETF to be uh, solicited by a financial advisor right away because you have to get to those sort of hurdles. So we're, we're working our way towards that. Unfortunately, the cannabis market's not helping us, but <laughs> doing our part to grow the shares outstanding. And we're doing our part for you. Yes, so. I appreciate that. All right. Last question for today, and we will have you back. 
Um, if you woke up tomorrow and you opened up the New York Post or you opened up the New York Times, what's the one story that you think is seriously underreported about the cannabis industry? It could be anything other than saying, you know, Innovation Shares THCX is is uh, the best stock to buy. What's the story that you wish was being told? You hear a lot of anecdotes, and I, I since I've been involved in this industry for you know a short amount of time, about how cannabis is helping people. Mm-hmm. Cannabis is medicine. Yeah. And that's a word of mouth. That's just you hear all these little anecdotes. One of our strategic advisors, uh, John Najarian. Mm-hmm. Some uh, listeners may know him. Uh, him and his brother Pete are the ponytail guys on CNBC. On CNBC, yeah. So you know, John tells this story how they got into investing in the business, which was they both played in the NFL. John played five games for the Chicago Bears, and Pete had several seasons for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Pete's broken every single bone in his body, <laughs> and as a way to manage the pain, right? He eventually, you know, wanted to stop using. What's Opioids. being prescribed yeah. and do something more healthy. And they started to get into, you know, cannabis mm-hmm. as treatment. And I wish there was a broader study being done of of the health benefits of using cannabis as medicine because it's had such a negative stigma for so many years from a recreational Let's aspect. call the White House and get Donald Trump to deschedule so that we can do, or reschedule at a minimum so that we can actually do that kind of research. That, that would be great. So to me, that would be, that's what I would love to see. Real um, evidence-based story on the positive benefits of cannabis as medicine. Matt, Thank you so much for coming in. We will definitely have you back. And next time I'm going to have Ann on with us. Um, I know she couldn't do this today, um, but she wanted to. Um, And we'll get more into what's going on in the markets, recap what's going on with you. Um, I didn't get to ask about what your personal relationship is with the plant, which we'll get to, but we'll just leave that for the next time. I really do appreciate you coming in. Um, This was a lot of fun. Cannabis! Cannabis!